think one of the harder things for me to learn as a new attorney um, was that you can provide the advice, but you can't make anyone do anything. So, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, there will be clients that say, like, thanks for telling me what the law says. I'm not going to do that. Welcome back to another episode of Kel's Big Little World. Finding listeners over on this channel, I'm Kel, and I interview guests from all around the world to explore their beliefs, careers, and day-to-day life, all to reveal that we are united in something greater, a shared journey through this big little world we call home. Today, we'll be talking to a woman who has done a lot of behind-the-scenes work to ensure the success of schools around the state. John Dewey once said, education is not preparation for life. Education is life itself. I'm later to announce our upcoming guest is one who protects our right to life in the pursuit of education. With that being said, let's welcome our upcoming guest, attorney Jennifer Starlin. Jennifer K. Starlin is an attorney at Troon Law Firm, where she defends clients in state and federal courts on a variety of student, employment, and civil rights matters. She's worked hard for the Michigan education system and advocating for various school districts, colleges, and academies on a federal level. She's a double Spartan, getting her bachelor's from James Madison College in Michigan State University and her law degree from Michigan State College of Law. She is dedicated to serving Michigan through tirelessly defending for student and teacher rights. Her work allows us to pursue quality education at home and in school. Well, hello. I just want to thank you for being with me today. Hi there. I'm happy to be here. So I'll probably get started with the first question. When did you first know you wanted to be a lawyer? Well, in in college, I uh, definitely kind of trended that way. I, I, I went down a couple different paths, but uh, uh, I always came back to law. So I always thought that that was sort of the first time that I really wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, but then I looked back at my high school yearbook and there was a reference in my senior page to wanting to be a lawyer when I grew up. So I guess longer than I even remembered. Did you think that in college that that would be an achievable goal that you were able to get into law school, pass the bar and those things? Um, I, I can't say that I thought all the way out to the bar exam at that point in time, but uh, I, I did focus on getting into law school. I went to Michigan State for undergrad, and so there was a law school right there on campus, which is where I ended up going to law school. So yeah, as it got closer, it was sort of one step at, the, at a time. I took the LSAT, uh, which I think stands for Law School Admission Test, um, and I, I did well enough on that to be able to get into some law schools. And so I started applying. And at that time, I was still kind of considering, is that something I wanted to do? Um, and uh, I, I ended up going through with it. And then once I got to law school, I worried about would I be able to pass the bar. But luckily, I was. Going into law school, did you know what type of law you wanted to practice? No, no, I didn't at all. Um, I knew that I didn't want to do criminal law and I knew I didn't want to do family law um, because those uh, uh, both sounded a little bit depressing. So the transition from like undergrad workload, how was it different from law school workload? Uh, it was it was very different. I, law school is much more a full-time job when you're there. Um, whereas undergrad is, is more similar to school. I mean, it's certainly still more intense than high school and undergrad, but it, once you get to law school, it's, it's definitely a lot more work and, and, um, 
you have to do the work. I, you know, I went to Michigan State for undergrad, so you were in a lot of classes with 500 people in a lecture hall, and you could certainly blend in. In law school, it's smaller classes, and the professors generally um, use the Socratic method, and they just call on you. So you always have to be prepared to, and and you know, you have you have to have read the 20 cases the night before in case they say. Oh, Ms. Starlin, what did you think of this case? Or explain it to the rest of the class. So uh, they'd certainly keep you on your toes. Now, a lot of people get jobs during law school or have sometimes internships. Were you a part of any other out-of-classroom activities? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I actually, the job I have now, um, I started as a law clerk after my first year of law school. So um, it was August of... 2008. I had just finished my first year of law school, was starting my second year, um, and I got a job as a law clerk at Troon Law Firm, where I, I work now, and I can, I stayed on as a law clerk um, for my second year of law school in that summer and my third year of law school and while I was studying the bar, and uh, I, I never left. <laughs> what were some of the things you were doing as a law clerk, kind of like shadowing, or was it more of a like full-time job, like secretary work? Um, so a lot of it was shadowing. Um, there was some secretary work in there as well, but a lot of it was, you know, going with attorneys to, um, depositions or, um, you know, doing research so that they might come to you and say, Hey, we had a client ask this question. It's kind of an unusual question. Can you research and figure out if there were any cases? Um, if there's any case law out there, um, attorney general opinions, any other authority. And then usually you'd write like a memo to the attorney who um, asked you to do the research, kind of summarizing what you found. Uh, so that was a large part of, of what I did was a lot of research and then kind of typing up summaries. At any point, did you find it hard to balance law school and a job? Um, I think, yeah, it's it's always tough when you're trying to um, balance, you know, di different competing interests. Obviously, as I said before, law school is a uh, is really a full time job. But at the same time, uh, you're not paid to be there. You're actually paying to be there. Um, and it's pretty expensive. So you have to always be looking for a job and thinking like, okay, how will I pay the bills when I get out of here? So trying to do a good job where you have, you know, an internship or a clerkship or a summer associate um, position, you want to make sure you're putting your best foot forward because that could be a long-term job prospect. So it can be difficult to balance, but um, you're, while you're in law school, you're limited on the number of hours you can work a week. I don't remember what it is now, but you're not allowed to have like a 40 hour a week full-time job and be a full-time uh, law student. So it's, uh, they do put, uh, I'm assuming that rule's still there. It's been a few years since I was out, but when I was, when I was in law school, that was the case. So did like studying for the bar, a lot of people take time off of work or just kind of like silence their minds out. Is that something you did? I did. Yeah, I I, I worked. I don't remember exactly, but I worked at least part time um, from graduation in early May until I think maybe mid June. And then I just stopped working completely and just focused on bar prep. Um, and then the bar exam was at the end of July. So can you tell us kind of what it was studying from the LSAT versus the bar exam? 
Oh yes. Yeah. Very different. The, the LSAT studying, you know, I, um, I don't even remember if I took a class for the LSAT. Um, I may have just gotten some books and kind of, you know, flipped through what to, what to do. I probably should have studied a little more for the LSAT, but, um, I, uh, you know, it was sort of just self-paced, self-driven, but for the bar exam, you actually can sign up to take a class. And it's, I mean, it, I think the class that I was in, it was Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to noon. And you'd go and you'd sit in a class and they'd teach you material, review material, because you learned a lot of it in law school. Um, and then you'd spend your afternoon studying. I mean, it, it, it was definitely a full-time job. And, and, you know, to be able to... Um, pass the bar or, or go into it confidently, most people, I think, probably spend most days as they prepare uh, in the weeks before the bar exam, uh, just studying full time. How is it scored? Is it more of a pass fail or is there a certain percentage you have to get right? Yeah. So when I took it, it um, you have two days. It's a two day long test. And I don't remember which day was first, but one day is called the multi-state. And I think it's 150 multiple choice questions. And you have maybe five hours-ish to do it. There's a morning and afternoon session. Then the next day is specific to Michigan law and there's 15 essays. And again, you have the morning and afternoon. Um, and then they you do get a number score, um, and, and I don't remember what the number is, but really all anybody cares about is pass or fail. And so at one point I had a number score. Uh, I don't remember what it is. I just know that I passed, but that was good. <laughs> so after law school, like you were saying, you did an um, like internship. What was yeah. the experience like transitioning from, like, okay, I'm done with the academic part of my career? Yeah, it's, um, so I think anytime you are starting off as a new lawyer, um, especially if you've worked at the same place, like I worked at Troon and in, in law school, and now I work there as an attorney, but making that transition from law clerk to attorney and showing people like I'm, I'm a real lawyer now and I can do real law work, especially if they've been accustomed to you being a law student. Um, you, you certainly have to demonstrate that you're able to do that and, um, you know, make that transition and remind people sometimes, like, hey, I, I can actually sign documents now. I'm I'm allowed to do this. So um, it, it certainly is a little bit of a transition. Um, at the time I graduated law school in 2010, it was a really bad market uh, for new lawyers coming out of school. Um, so I was the only new hire at my firm. And I know sometimes firms will have like a, a class of several attorneys that come on all at the same time. Um, but we are a little bit smaller than some of those bigger firms. And uh, there wasn't a lot of hiring going on at that time. So I, I did, you know, have to sometimes remind people and I'm, I'm official now, guys, I can, I can do the work here. <laughs> now, why did you choose specifically to practice education law? So I really, I, I started working at Troon. Their, our main office is in East Lansing. I went to Michigan State. It was a local law firm that I heard of that was hiring a law clerk. I knew nothing about school law. Um, uh, I really didn't even know that schools had lawyers, or I guess I had never thought of it. And um, I uh, 
just really liked it. I mean, when, when I got into it and was able to see all the different things that they do, it's just really interesting. I, um, you know, our firm does, we have a finance department that does like the bond work. So when you see like there's an election, like vote yes on the bond or vote no, or, you know, millage elections uh, to help finance schools. We have a finance and election group that does all of that. We have a labor and employment group that negotiates with the teachers union, um, does all the collective bargaining, fires um, teachers if they're not performing well or administrators. Uh, I focus mostly on student issues, special education, and Title IX, um, and then I also do some pupil accounting, which is really exciting, getting money from the state for counting the kids, uh, but it, it's just always interesting. I mean, it, there's no, um, you know, day-to-day, -day, like, oh, same thing every day. You just never know what kind of question you're going to get, and I think that makes it really interesting for me, and then I think another piece is, you know, I said earlier, I I did never want to do like criminal law or family law um, because I've seen how how contentious those can get and and um, how it, and and frankly I mean personally it's just not for me. Um, I think one thing with school law is when you're working with people who work in schools, they're generally trying to do the right thing. Like they're not trying to pull one over on somebody. It's it's not a money game where they're trying to, you know, how can I get more out of my ex-spouse in the divorce settlement? And um, so even if I get a call and somebody really messed something up, it generally was with good intentions. Like they were trying to get to a good outcome. And I think that's kind of refreshing um, to, you know, okay, I know you were trying to do the right thing, but we might need to back up a little bit here and change the process. So um, I, I think that's what sort of kept me with school law is just the, the variety, the interest, um, and, and, you know, just feeling like you always get to work with people who are really um, uh, just invested in doing the right thing. Does your day-to-day -day work require you to go into court or is it more so you stay um, in the office kind of taking calls and doing research? Usually more. So I would say probably like a quarter of the time I'm in the office taking calls, doing research. I would say probably about half my time is spent out in schools. I, I just finished in August back to school presentation season where I'm out and presenting and doing back to school PD. Um, and then the other quarter is sort of a mixture. Some of it might be in the office. Some of it might be in hearing. A lot of our, our hearings now um, through the state are uh, virtual. Um, so, I, you know, technically in the office, but also in court at the same time. But uh, yeah, so, but, but, but a lot of my job is going out to school districts and, you know, going to school board meetings at night, um, presenting during the day. Sometimes I'm going to student expulsion hearings. Sometimes I'm, you know, presenting to the board, talking to them about, hey, there's a lawsuit or somebody's threatening a lawsuit. Um, and, and sometimes I'm just there doing like an investigation, interviewing people. Um, but especially after COVID, I mean, a, a lot of, um, I, myself included, but a lot of people are a lot more adept with Zoom and, and other virtual platforms. So, uh, there is a, a component that's certainly more virtually based now.
Now, what challenges have you faced throughout your career that you feel like are significant or have changed the way you work as an attorney? You know, and I don't know if this is exactly responsive to your question, but I think one of the harder things for me to learn as a new attorney um, was that you can provide the advice but you can't make anyone do anything. So, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, there will be clients that say, hey, thanks for telling me what the law says. I'm not going to do that. Um, it's not super common, but that's really, um, I, I think as a new attorney, that's that was something that was really hard to get past. Like I felt like that, like I wasn't doing my job if they weren't listening to me or I wasn't, putting the information out there in a way where um, they would understand that that was the best choice. So I, that's something that I try to also pass on to our newer attorneys as they, as they come in, like, you know, lay out all the options, make yourself, you know, uh, let the client evaluate the risks and the benefits of following or not following your advice. And at the end of the day, you know, you, Clients have to make their own decisions. Um, and, and sometimes those decisions won't be consistent with what you recommended, but you can't take it personally. <laughs> now, whether it was a good or bad outcome, which what was one of your most memorable cases? Um, there's probably been a couple. I think one of them actually didn't have anything to do with school law. Um, but it was very interesting. I, I started on it when I was a law clerk uh, before I was even licensed. And I worked on it with uh, an attorney at our firm. And it involved a corrections officer who worked for the Michigan Department of Corrections. Um, and he was uh, let go from his job. And he sued the department uh, claiming age and disability discrimination um, uh, they were essentially requiring him to get some medical clearances that he knew he wouldn't be able to get from an old injury that he had in Vietnam. Um, and it was, so it was a plaintiff's case, which, uh, I mean, usually on the school side, we're doing a lot of defense work, uh, but it ended up going to a jury trial that happened. Um, I, I think maybe, I think it began maybe seven days after I became a licensed attorney. Um, I, it was early November and I was licensed at the end of October. Um, and it was a maybe six day jury trial. Um, and we did prevail. And then it was they appealed it up to the Court of Appeals. We won at the Court of Appeals. And I actually argued that case uh, at the Court of Appeals because my colleague, um, what, uh, had had already planned a trip to Disney World with his family and, and, and couldn't be there. Uh, and so um, that was really interesting, just seeing that whole process unfold and also, you know, being a new attorney and sort of just jumping into a, a trial. We don't do a lot of jury trials at our firm. I've, I've never done one since then. So that was just really interesting to see, you know, how, how they pick jurors and, you know, how the judge interacts with the jury and, and, and just a whole different element. So I think that's probably one of the most memorable ones. Um, and, and then I, I've probably forgotten more crazy stories than I could even, even think of um, because when I have you know, school principals, school superintendents calling and talking to me about things that parents or kids have done. Um, th there's a lot that make me 
raise my eyebrows. <laughs> now, what was going through your head, like emotion-wise? You're in court for one of the first times. You're in front of a jury and you're presenting something in front of them. Were you, as a new lawyer at that, were you nervous? Were you more excited? Oh, I was super nervous. I was very, very nervous. Um, it's it's really strange. I mean, when I do hearings now, there's there's usually we do a lot of administrative hearings. So there's an administrative law judge who is evaluating the case, and you have that person sitting there, and you know you have to present your case to them. Hey, this is why our side of the law is better. But when you have jurors who you don't know if they know anything about the law and they might be just judging, like, I just didn't like the way you looked or I just, you know, I, I you don't know what their basis is going to be for making a decision. And I think it was also, you know, normally we represent schools as entities. Um, here, it was an individual person. I mean, it, it was a, a person who had lost his job um, he hadn't planned on on leaving his job that soon. He had planned on working a couple more years. We got to know him and his wife quite well. Um, and they were just really great, really kind people. And so it, it's like, for me, this is a case, but for him, you know, this is his his life and his livelihood. And so there, it just feels like there's so much more on the line. And he was, you know, at, um, given his age, he probably would not have started like another career at that point in his life. Like he was close to retirement age, but, um, but not, not quite ready to retire, but certainly not a person who would say, oh, okay, well, I'll just take this and go do something different with my life. So um, yeah, I, I was very nervous. And, and I know my colleague would say the same. He, he was a little bit more experienced than me, but I, I know he was still very nervous. <laughs> No, and I'm waiting for the jury too. Sorry. Like they're out and you're like, what are they doing? What are they talking about? So it, it was, it was, it was very, um, we were very anxious. So now going into law school, you probably watched the movies and TV shows about, you know, law school and actually being in court. How does that translate to real life law? I mean, I think a lot of the movies about law school um, are, are pretty spot on. Like I think of like Legally Blonde, um, you know, it, it shows the Socratic method and what happens when people aren't prepared. I think there's one, it's been a long time since I saw it, but I think there's one scene where um, they she's asked to like leave the class or something because she wasn't prepared. Um, and that actually happened in one of my classes. There was, it was one of the first weeks and there was a girl who wasn't prepared and the professor said, okay, well then there's not really any reason for you to be here. You can leave. And everyone was like, oh my gosh. So, I mean, that kind of, you know, I, I think for law school, that certainly rings true. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure, like, I love the shows about, you know, the courtroom and, and the law, but I, I'm not in a courtroom enough to probably, you know, really point out all the, all the little things in shows that might not be accurate. Um, it, I'm sure that lawyers that litigate every day would, would just laugh at some of those shows. And, you know, this is, this is so not accurate, but I, I'm just not in that setting enough um, to be able to do that. So what advice would you give to any student who wants to be an attorney, whether it be academic, skill-wise, or just personally? So um, I think one thing that's neat with law school is you don't have to have like a pre-law degree to go to law school. 
Um, they teach you what they want you to know in law school, which is different than some of the medical fields where you have to take a lot of science classes, math. Um, it's also a reason I didn't go that route. <laughs> I'm not as into those. So you could, I mean, I, I had kids in my, uh, other law students in my class who were zoology majors and journalism majors. And um, I, I was in James Madison at Michigan State. So mine was at least sort of law-ish. But you know, pick something that you really like in terms of your major. And I, I probably wouldn't focus on pre-law. Um, and then as long as you do well in undergrad and study for the LSAT, um, you can get into a good school and probably get some scholarship money. I would encourage you to have um, scholarship like try and chase as many scholarships as you can because law school is very, it's more expensive than I, it was when I was there 13 years ago and it was very expensive then. Um, so, you know, paying on student loans for many years is not probably what everybody dreams of doing when they get out of school. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd say pursue something that you're passionate about, passionate about in undergrad uh, because you can certainly always go to law school after uh, after that, regardless of what degree you have. Um, and then once you're in law school, it's hard. So, you know, it, grades are everything in law school, get a strong start your first year, because it's hard to overcome that. And, and I, you know, people see that in high school too. If you have a bad freshman year, it's hard to get your GPA up. So that would be my advice is, you know, if you can start out strong, work really hard that first year, then it does give you some more cushion room your second and third year. And the grading curve and the classes are a little easier your second and third year. So um, you can uh, you know, have more uh, just relaxation time your second and third year, I guess, and, and, and not as much stress in terms of uh, what, you know, am I gonna pass this class? Am I going to, what is this gonna do to my GPA? If you have a strong start, that usually is better off. What does school need a lawyer for? Oh, yeah. So a lot of it could be, you know, maybe there's a dicey employee matter. Um, an employee wants to take a medical leave or an employee isn't showing up to work or for a student. Um, uh, it could be maybe they were evaluated for special education and found not eligible and their parent is challenging it. Or maybe their parent doesn't think that their um, special education supports are sufficient. Um, it could also be, uh, you know, we get a lot of free speech issues. You know, a student posts something on Snapchat and it gets back to the school. And then I have to talk to the school about, you know, the conflict between student First Amendment free speech rights and their ability to discipline and they have to, you know, evaluate. There are some cases where you can discipline the student and some cases where you can't. Um, you know, unfortunately, after Oxford, we had a lot of threats. Um, so we got a lot of calls from copycat threats. You know, what what should we do? Um, you know, did, what what should we do with the student who made the threat? What should we do to notify other students? How much information can we share with families to, you know, ab about the student who made the threat or the fact that the threats contain? And then we still are seeing, you know, a fair number of threats um, that, that come into schools. So uh, yeah, um, there's uh, just, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> now a question I asked one of my 
each and every one of my guests is when did you realize that the world was smaller than you originally thought? Probably in college because I, I, I'm from a smaller town. Um, so I knew that, that that was small, but when I got to college, um, you know, the Lansing area, even though it's the capital is kind of small in terms of there's a lot of like, everybody knows everybody. Um, and you start seeing that or you start, you know, you run into your professor while you're waiting at Bell Tire to get new tires or, and, and, and then this person knows this person. And I think a lot of it was also, um, I mean, that was around the time that social media started and you start seeing those connections like, oh, how do you know this person? Well, I know this person from here. And it just seems like, you know, that six degrees of separation or whatever it is, everybody's related to Kevin Bacon, or I, I don't remember the exact analogy, but it seems like that really is true. And, and, you know, I, I, I now in my job, you know, I, I now have friends who have kids that are starting school. And so then you run it, then now I'm the person that everyone's like, Hey, this is what the school's doing. And I'm like, Sometimes I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, yeah, I know I already talked to them about that, but I can't say anything. Um, so it, it really, I would say probably like college is, is when that realization started to set in, but um, it, it's just gotten smaller since then. <laughs> now, is there any last words or advice that you would give to the audience? Um, just, you know, I think whether it's the law or anything you want to do, you know, be really sure that that's what you want to do. I mean, I know it's all over the news now with, um, you know, student loan chat, but um, college is expensive. And, um, you know, if you feel like you need to take a year off to think about what you want to do or to go travel the world, do it. I, I You know, frankly, now I, 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 I have a career, I have kids, it's hard to get away and travel the world. I, I can't go to Asia for two weeks and, you know, just, just travel around. This is the best time in your life to, to do that. Um, so do it and enjoy it. And, you know, um, then you can pursue a job that you're passionate about, a, a career that you're passionate about with the benefit of, you know, having some world knowledge. And, 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 and I do always encourage people to travel. I, I traveled a lot growing up. Um, my parents were both in the airline industry, so we were very lucky to be able to have some benefits. But I, I think it's certainly something that has benefited me throughout my whole life, being able to know and understand how people in other parts of the world live. And um, it really puts some perspective into what the problems of, you know, our world are and, and the fact that some of them are truly are not that problematic when you look um, in relation to how people at other parts of the world. Well, there you have it. The behind the scenes work that allows us to achieve excellence academically across schools in the state of Michigan. Although education law often is overlooked, it is the force that propels us students for greatness across the globe. I want to thank our special guests for joining me today and a special thank you to all of our listeners. See you next week. Bye.